You're listening to the Private Citizen Civil Liberties Podcast. This is episode 164 for Wednesday, the 20th of December, 2023. The year 2023 in review. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Fab, coming to you from Düsseldorf in Germany for the uh, for the final time this year. How are you doing? Um, thanks. Thanks for listening. And yeah, this is the uh, my year-end review episode um, that I that I always do. It's a bit depressing this year because uh, the podcast hasn't been going quite as uh, as well, um, or I haven't been able to do as many episodes. Let's put it that way. Uh, by far, you know, as, as I wanted to do, but we'll get into that. Um, and I, I didn't want to leave you without at least one other episode so i've I've pre-recorded this um so that's why it's not live um and yeah i'll get into um you know i'll I'll cover the episodes that i did this year uh, as usual but i also um at the end of the show um i'll get into what the plans are for 2024 uh basically uh to get this wagon fixed and back on the road um, to get the the podcast back to week re- weekly releases um, next year, that which is definitely a goal. Um, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. There's one thing I want to mention before I get into the show proper. Um, I, recently, I've seen the news that Floss Weekly um, apparently uh, has had its last episode, um, has ended with an episode um, at the end of the year. And that was um, a bit surprising and a bit sad for me. Um, you know, I, I used to be on the show once. Um, actually, have to look up what episode that was. Um, that was episode four hundred and ninety-two, where me and Dan, Dan, who uh, co-hosted um, Floss Weekly, of course, uh, and we talked about Linux Outlaws, uh, the podcast we used to do back in the day. That was a lot of fun. I'm quite sad that um, Floss is no more. It's kind of seems like there's more and more podcasts. Um, everybody's doing podcasts. Um, I don't, <laughs> you know, there's so many episodes I plan to do um, that I didn't have time to this year. And one of it was about the podcast ecosystem. And I, I really want to talk about that on the show at one point. And I really don't like where it's going. Um, you know, podcasts have become very successful but they're basically you know the people that are doing podcasts now are the same people that used to do radio by and large and podcast has podcasting has become a somewhat of a different just an alternative broadcasting uh, mechanism for like normal you know broadcast stuff like radio uh and 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 things like that and um yeah, I'm kind, I'm kind of sad about that because, um, I mean, it was inevitable uh, once it took off. But I liked uh, podcasting because it was kind of an outlaw thing. You know, that's why I named the show Linux Outlaws also. That was one of the reasons um, back in the day. It was kind of like these people that would never get on the radio and, you know, you, you drink and you do do things people wouldn't do on the radio um, and other uh, more traditional journalists would do and you you know you'd, you'd have opinions that a lot of other people um uh you know that on, on normal broadcast radio or or you know audio 
I don't know really what to call it, but basically radio. You know, people would be uh, would be uh, too restrained or too shy or whatever. You know, and I love the, 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 the freewheeling nature of it. And of course, there are still a lot of podcasts like this, but they by and large get overshadowed by these big, um, you know, just uh, media companies that, that do this shit now. Um, of course, there are exceptions uh, like Joe Rogan, for example, but like, you know, who's the most successful podcaster and who's still, you know, this is so successful, I think, because he's still doing this free, non-scripted, you know, um, loosey-goosey kind of show, uh, which I think is what podcasting is all about. But of course, the Joe Rogan show isn't a podcast and that's the other really, you know, then that's the other problem, the podcasting ecos ecosystem that podcast in the normal vernacular has become synonymous for just a radio show on the internet. Um, whereas a podcast is a very specific thing. It's an RSS feed with a media enclosure. Um, but mo most of these new shows don't have, um, they're not podcasts. They don't have RSS feeds. Um, you know, they're, they're in locked in ecosystems like Spotify, uh, like the Joe Rogan show. And um, I mean, I've heard Leo from Twitter talk about this. He's always believed in um this i mean he tried to call it netcast for a while that was silly but you know in the in the podcast idea that you know it, it the podcast should be free should have an rs feed and shouldn't be locked in and i guess he's feeling he's feeling the pinch and i think uh, twits um as many companies right now um feeling the downturn and um, they're losing the advertising money because um you know with the podcast you really can't track your like it's not only um, you know, having platforms where you pay for the content. I mean, you can do that with a podcast. Um, you can, um, you know, um, you can get a pay for uh, RSS feed, which I guess, you know, people can share. And so it's kind of not as locked down. The problem with all of this is podcasting basically isn't as locked down, which is why I like it. You know, you can't really train your listeners, which I think is good, but advertisers don't. And they like platforms like YouTube and, and Spotify where they know everything about you. Um, and I guess Twit's feeling that too. And I guess that's one of the reasons for, you know, canceling Floss Weekly, which has never really, never made money, I think. Um, much money though, because there's no fucking advertising in, 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 in open source. You know, there's only, the only company that makes any significant amount of money is Red Hat and everybody knows who Red Hat is. <laughs> so, you know, they don't really need to do advertising per se. Um, yeah, so it's a bit, a bit sad anyway um i really don't want the private citizen to be part of this so i don't want to cancel the show i don't want it to quietly go away um so but we're gonna, i'm going to talk about that um at the end of the show uh, let's first look at the episodes that i managed uh, to release this year So not counting this very episode, um, I only re recorded and released 25 episodes this year, which is abysmal. Uh, I consider that an abject failure. Um, I mean, last year was already bad with 35 episodes, but, you know, 2021 had 53 and, and 2020 had 50. And I'm aiming for 52 a year. Uh, so I didn't even, well, with this episode, I managed half that this year, but that is not good. Um, it's not, well, kind of, yeah. I think I did. Yeah, sorry. Can't do math. Uh, I did. Uh, but like that's half that. It's not what I want. 
um, and it's been very sporadic this year and, and it's just not all around not good um, so yeah I want to fix that um, of course the big topic this year uh, were the Twitter files um, which started in the end of, end of last year and I did five episodes um, well no I did up to ep part five of the Twitter files I did three episodes this year uh, plus I did two episodes on one on you know Musk matter episodes one on Musk must killing Elon Musk killing the Twitter files and you know um, ending that whole uh, saga really and then um, of course pr the previous episode I made a plan for going back to the Twitter files which of course didn't happen well it doesn't mean it's not going to happen I'm going to of course I, I got the show notes for that episode almost done you know Twitter files past six so I'm going to do that next year um, I'm, I'm going going to go back at, at it uh, just like the last weeks, I've, this whole year has been a clusterfuck. Like the last last weeks were, um, I would, you know, I did that episode. I was ready to get into producing the podcast regularly again. And then, um, of course, I had things I didn't reckon with at work that, you know, um, jobs um, I took that I wanted to do well, basically. I needed to do to make money. Um, but I could have dealt with that. But then, um, you know, there, we, got, we got sick. Um, well, basically, I think one of us, me or my wife or whatever. Anyway, you know, you you live in a in a house all together. You just you know, it's like I, she got it, I got it, whatever. Um, and then it happened again. Actually, she got uh, um, at the Rona for the second time this year. Brought it home from hospital, and I wasn't really affected. Um, I have a hell of a time. Had a hell of a time with all those vaccinations. That really. You know, I talked about that on the show, all the side effects. But the upside of that was at least, I don't know if it was the vaccinations, but, you know, my body's now apparently um, amazingly primed. It was probably the vaccinations, I'm, I'm guessing. Anyway, my body's like primed to kill that virus now. So I just get like one, like my wife gets it. And then I get like one evening of like being a bit sneezy and then it's gone for me. I mean, I'm without symptoms. I don't think it's gone. I'm... I am pretty sure that I can still infect people. So, you know, I stayed home uh, for a while, uh, but I don't really feel it. But my wife was, again, um, uh, due to, you know, other complications, yes. Uh, she was just, like, really sick again. Um, and uh, I obviously, uh, you know, pushed work out of the way and, and, and cared for her for a few days. Uh, and then that the, the just led to work piling up and everything. It's just, it's just a... This year's just been a shit show, um, and I'm gonna have to see what I can do um, for next year um, to to fix that. But anyway, um, I want to talk about that later. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna get back to the Twitter files. I think it's a very important story, and it leads right over into like stuff that's come out over the last few months, which is basically you know this whole censorship industrial complex. Um, that we need to talk about in the US that but that also affects um affects us in Europe of course because we all use these services similar like like the one of the other big issues um this year was like the EU uh censorship privacy issues and and you know the um the privacy stuff not so much uh, that was an episode 158 I did on um basically uh, the EU um now in the fight against child porn TM, um, basically getting rid of any privacy online, um, which that is not so much affecting people in the US, but like then the, 
I mean, that's the chat control law. Um, but then the the second um, thing that happened, which is the Digital Services Act, that really, and I did an episode on that, episode 161, um, that really um, will also affect the US. So it's like this, these two topics are kind of intertwined because, you know, um, the industrial censorship complex, um, obviously in the US affects us here in Europe and, and our um, kind of hate speech laws uh, in air quotes. Um, as, as I've explained, I don't think it's really about hate speech, but like that, that affects the, the US. So these are two very important topics um, that also will continue to cover next year. Um, it's kind of, it goes back and forth, but it's, I think um, both, both our societies, I, you know, I would call it like Western society, like both sides of the Atlantic are moving in a similar direction. Um, there is a, a massive trend towards censorship um, in in society right now, um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with more stricter, um, and also other author authoritarian things like chat control and stuff like that. Um, for reasons that are you know that I talked about on the show, but that also we need to discuss more. I think, um, but I, I need the time to you know sit down and get a handle on that. But I, I think this. Um, there's, I mean, we talked about this with feedback from listeners as well. Um, there's lots of um, there's changes in society that I really can't pin down yet, but I, that I'm thinking about a lot. Um, with um, uh, I guess I guess the ground, the the the, the ground zero, the, the 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 thing it all stems from is that um. I feel, um, I mean, this is debatable, and please, as always, you know, private citizen oppressed is where the show notes are. Ways there to contact me. Um, please get into touch with me if you don't agree with this or if you have any thoughts. But, like, I feel that it is mostly due to a younger generation, like the Zoomer generation and, you know, the Alpha generation, whatever they're calling it. Um, and, you know, to some extent, millennials, to some extent, people my, of my age. Um, having a um, being being weirdly like outwardly critical towards every like you know they're very critical of things like capitalism and the government but on the other hand they're also very um, keen to obey basically do what the government wants they are um on 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 the at the same time they're not very circumspect of the government and of these organizations and of you know the press telling them that you know we need censorship because of hate speech and stuff like that and just believing that and it goes hand in hand with you know issues i have with how we're dealing with with climate change and how people i feel are not equipped anymore. Um, this, I mean, I sound like an old man, but you know, I'm I am forty now. I guess I am an old man. I'm a, a lot of gray hairs, and um, yeah, I think um, I think there's I'm, I'm the older I get, the more like this old man yelling at the cloud thing. There's truth in that, you know. There's people who, uh, when you when you when you when you looked at the world for about twenty years, uh, very skeptically, you start to notice certain things that you didn't notice when you were younger and you were happier to believe certain things, right? Um, I mean, I, I always thought of myself um, 
It's a very critical person, even when I was 18, I guess. Um, but I'm amazed now looking back at my 20s and at the stuff I believed. Like still, I believed politicians. Um, you know, I was voting for certain parties and I hadn't understood yet that basically none of these people, um, like I've kind of, I was kind of saying it, but I don't think I really understood it that, you know, these are all, all of these people are as bad as the others. Like there is, you know, there isn't a good party. Like in the US, there isn't like the Democrats aren't the good party and the Republicans aren't the bad party. They're all more or less bad. <laughs> you know, it's in Germany for me, with the, the social Democrats um, that, that I believed in for quite a long time. And, you know, I, I just, not, no, they're just like, you know, they're as bad as the other people. The only way to vote is like to vote tactically, I guess, um, and stuff like that. So I, I um, yeah, I, th I think there's, there's, you know, there's definitely something to getting older um, and, and acquiring experience. And um, yeah, I feel like um, I look at at at. Uh, it's and it, the problem isn't isn't so much young people. I think I think it's society. I think they're not at fault. Um, who's at fault? I feel is the media. I mean, the politicians are at fault because they're doing what they're always doing. Um, I I do really feel that the um, decline of the the media industry and of journalism is. In a, to a large extent at fault here because um, they're not um, by and large they're not performing their function in society of checking the government um, and being a check on, on power um, which you know is, is basically where, where should um, you know younger people get this experience you know if they can't trust uh the mainstream media sources anymore like well or they, the problem is they're trusting them uh, because they don't they don't know any better um and they don't they're not being trained you know it used to be well you, you weren't never really trained for critical thinking in school because teachers don't do that teachers want you to listen right um, they want you to listen and pay attention and do what they say and, you know, just learn. Most most teachers, I'm generalizing, you know, but like most teachers are like that. And so school never really has an atmosphere where you're like, you're trained to think critically. I mean, I had one teacher at school who basically did that. Um, but he was also the, he was running the school, right? He was the headmaster, so he was in a very privileged position and everybody respected him anyway and nobody um uh, was was gonna rebel against him so he was in a position where he could like i had philosophy class because i didn't have religion and he he taught philosophy class he actually taught us to you know think think critically that, that but i think that's a you know that that doesn't happen much in school and it used to be in university when i went to university at least in the subject i studied um it was all about thinking critical because that critically like my first i can imagine i can remember like my first year and a half, two years at university was not so much about learning stuff. Um, there were like, there were two things we learned um, there. Um, basically, where to find information, um, you know, how to do research. And this was before the internet. I mean, it wasn't before the internet. It was like in, in, in 2004 or whatever. 
right? 2004, 2005. So it wasn't before the internet, but it was before internet, the internet was used as a research tool and accepted as a research tool in academia. So at least in the subject, I was, you know, politics and, and history. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, uh, English studies there, which, you know, you wouldn't look anything up on the internet. You were buying books. So, you know, we learned how to do research in like libraries and stuff. And also how to think critical that critically that was you know there was a lot of debating going on even like in in, in language I can remember we uh, I had a course on on lines and like um, and Chomsky and like generative language and and there was a lot of debating I actually had a one of the first gender studies courses that was mandatory that I had to do you know somebody's outside the window honking shut the fuck up I'm trying to do podcast. Um, <laughs> for once uh yeah so so I, I can remember i was actually debating a lot with that woman who taught that course um and i that kind of debating i did would not or we did all of us um you know there were people obviously who were debating the other direction i was basically saying this is all bullshit <laughs> but there were people like that they were saying I, I was full of shit um but we weren't saying it like this you know we were uh just you know debating in a very um polite and, and academic way but like you you wouldn't be allowed to do that anymore at university you don't learn that anymore at university not from the people i talk to um and i mean the same goes goes if you if you studied um natural sciences back in the day right if you study biology or whatever it's it's about statistics and how how to use statistics but also how to be very wary of statistics so they can be manipulated or you know just how you can you need to um, be aware of the fact that you can basically, if the, if if you're the guy running the research, if you're writing a paper, um, you can you can manipulate, you can make numbers say almost anything. You know, alone by the you know, the, the bias you apply, the way the direction you, the the way how you collect the numbers, stuff like that. So you know. This whole today, people not understanding this, like journalists or even people who are in academia, um, even to some extent, people who hold down like professorships who are you know, professors, um, not understanding this and basically taking a paper and saying, "Well, the numbers say this, so it 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 is true," um, which that can be your end position, <laughs> but it's not the position you start with. The position you start with with is always how did they get there. Like, how did they do this? Does this make sense? Um, how can this be attacked? You're always looking at, you know, basically when you when you are a scientist and you're reading another scientist's paper, the way you read it is like a hacker reads documentation for software. Um, you don't believe anything that's in there. You're just looking for the edge cases. You're trying to insert some kind of lever somewhere that they didn't, they never thought you would. Like you find some little crack and you put a some kind of a, you know, uh, uh, a crowbar in there, and you're trying to, to 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 break their shit, and that that's how good scientists look at science. Like that's how you should look at your own research, but you can't. Like that's how a writer is supposed to look at their own text, but it's really really hard. Which is why you have editors, right? Which you have other scientists. And that's why the peer review system exists. But it's supposed to work that way. But today, people who are in in in, in academia and in science today, for a large um, extent to a large extent are not doing that. They're looking. They're looking at programmers. They're looking at 
software like programmers look at other programmers this is why pro software this is why programmers don't find these security vulnerabilities because they are looking for when they look at software they they see the potential and how it's supposed to work and they're looking for how to make it better or what it does that's not how a hacker looks at stuff the hacker looks at stuff like where can this break um, what did they do here that i can exploit in some way and that's kind of the way I learned to look at everything. When I, that's how I read any text, right? And I learned that in university. And I know when I went into journalism, which was relatively late, you know, and I had some other jobs before that, and then I went to university for a very long time um, without getting a degree. Um, and yeah, I, I saw that a lot of other journalists didn't do that. Like a lot of my colleagues didn't do that. I didn't they didn't look at text like that. And I think that's the way people write like un journalists work today. They just uncritically um some government official says something in a press conference and they just write that down. A company puts out a press release and they just take that and make an article out of it. They don't go like how like what in this is too good to be true? This is PR, right? So they're trying to put their product in the best way, like where are where are the cracks here? Like where can I where can I get my my crowbar, my intellectual crowbar, right? Uh and, and that's a good podcast title, by the way. <laughs> and and just get that leverage, like figure out where are the cracks, because there are cracks everywhere. Nothing in this world is what it seems, basically. But I'm getting too far afield here. Um I don't even know where I was. Anyway, so so we had the Twitter files, we had the EU censorship that were too big issues and then of course the third one was the war in ukraine um which reached its one year anniversary this year and the big thing i covered was of course the Nord stream pipeline attack where we still don't know what's really going on i covered the the uh um the you know the i covered when it happened um where i was like in that episode of 100 episode 148 uh, in March, 22nd of March. And then I was like, I don't know. And then later, um, the story from Seymour Hirsch came out, um, you know, veteran investigative journalist that, uh, you know, the, the, the US actually did this. And then everybody was, of course, no, this can't be. And it's uh, the first, first it was Russia, then the theory now is Ukraine. But looking back at that story, I don't really care so much. To me, it's not even that important that who did it. I don't even care if the Americans did it because it's fait accompli at this point. Even if the Americans did it, you know, the German chancellor obviously went over to Biden and they had a talk and, and, and apparently accepted it. I don't know. I think it's still a scandal, um, you know, because this pipeline's also been built with money from the German taxpayers, of course. Um, not completely, but to some extent, um, a lot of the infrastructure that that's been built to get liquid natural gas from Norway in the U.S. to replace it, that's been completely built with taxpayer money. So I think this is still a scandal. But that that doesn't even interest me so much. But there are two aspects of the story that interest me much more: um, the failure of journalism, right? The fail, failure of investigative journalism to get to the um, point to figure out what has happened. Um, and the reason why I think the stories we have are not what happened is because when Seymour Hersh's story came out, it doesn't really matter if it's correct. I'm not quite so convinced as I was when this 
when I talked about it, but like that isn't really doesn't really matter. What matters is the way other journalists reacted to this. You know, the the journalism establishment um, almost universally um, decried him as a conspiracy theorist and this whole idea as as dumb. And you know, the only people who took him seriously and who were actually writing about this were like fringe people on Substack, whatever. Um, and that is a huge failure because when a story like this comes out. Um, you know, you'd have to... What I would have expected from the old world of journalism at least would have been 50-50, like 50% of people, you know, some writers going, well, this is wrong um, or this correct, and then then finding reasons for that. And the, the most important part is if you if Seymour Hirsch writes the story and you're a journalist that, I don't know, Die Zeit or Der Spiegel or Washington Post, whatever, um, and you, you think this is bullshit, this didn't happen... Your calling is then to figure out what has actually happened and write a story that is all that is at least as plausible as Seymour Hersh's, right? That tries to prove your point that it was the Russians or it was Ukraine. And nobody did this. Like all the stories you found about this was, was were ad hominem attacks at Seymour Hersh. And the way he or like criticism of the way he did his story. There was no, you know, investigative reporter going, um, Here's the alternative story. I mean, that came out later, but that wasn't like investigative. That was like a journalist going to, to some security service and getting like, you know, from the BND, oh, it was the Russians and getting some bullshit story. But it wasn't actually proof. And it wasn't, you know, proof that journalists dug up doing their own work. There was just some spy going to them and handing them an idea or some documents or whatever. Um, and it was a bullshit story on top of that. That whole yacht story is just ridiculous. If you read into that, just no way. It's, 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 it's definitely not more believable than Timo Hirsch's, who's just like, oh, I just had it in an anonymous source. But anything that's in his report makes more sense. Um, so that's number one, the failure of journalism to, to do this. And then the number of these stories and the podcast that I like very much um that is an actual podcast that has an rss podcast uh, it's not free so if you t if you um subscribe on substack to uh, matt Taibbi's, um racket news uh you get a podcast subscription to the podcast called america this week uh which is matt Taibbi and walter kern uh walter kern who i've discovered through this podcast who just have mad respect for ever since started reading his books uh, and an amazing author. He's, he's very, very, you know, he went to Oxford. He's, he's like, a, he's, he's a guy of my own heart. Like he's, I love that guy. He's like from rural Midwestern America, now lives in Montana, looks like a fucking hillbilly and doesn't have a cowboy hat. That would, that would, that would be the crowning achievement on this guy. <laughs> you know, they'd, you'd be like, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, basically be uh, somebody I think like my you know I, I, I have a dad and I love him very much but it would be like you know how, how you have like aspires to some people you know, oh that would be great if that guy was my dad anyway that, that's what I I think he's not that old I think either <laughs> but like he's just so maybe just 15 years older than me I think but anyway he's a great guy love this podcast and they have this um, idea they call it the memory hole um that's something that's developed, I think, through our um, 
you know, the way we've just been using technology, uh, I guess since the iPhone came out and everybody's just calling on their phones and this this attention deficit that everybody has, short attention span, just leads to this memory holding where people just forget. Like they've just, I think most people in Germany have forgotten that our pipeline was fucking blown up, <laughs> you know? And it's just, they just memory hold this, these stories and then never, you know, there's no journalists going back and going like at the end of the year you know they do all these recaps at the end of the year because they want to go on holiday and then write all these recaps uh, beforehand um but like nobody's doing none of these these lauded investigative journalists you know for example in germany or in the u.s they have all these organizations. They give all. The, they all do these circle jerks events, and they give each other prizes and all this shit. But like, none of them is actually doing this. You know, they have all these resources, but none of them is doing like an end of the year. Here's the stories from the year that we didn't get to the bottom of, and that we need to get to the bottom of ASAP. Like, here's our to-do list for 2024. Number one, Nord Stream. What the fuck happened? Um, right. Number two. Uh, get a um, balanced view of what's happening in the war in Ukraine. Like, you know, just get, where do we get, like, a ba like something that's that's not Ukrainian propaganda, it's not Russian propaganda, where's the, where's the middle ground, how can we do that? Like, stuff like that, people aren't, aren't doing that. Anyway, so, yeah, that's the war in Ukraine, so I, I talked about Nord Stream, uh, the Nord Stream, you know, the Seema Hirsch story, and then the alternative story, which makes even less sense. And now, before um, the Nord Stream my, uh, episode, I also did uh, episode 145, War. No, War never changes, um, which was just uh, on the one-year anniversary of the war and on the, on the propaganda on both sides, all of these issues. And that's still something that'll be with us. I mean, even though... The war in Ukraine still is now weirdly... It's kind of like... I just fucking hate modern society. You know, like like COVID is the worst thing that ever happened. And it's like the world's going to end and every journalist is writing about that and only that for like months and years. And then suddenly there's a war in Ukraine and there's the first war in Europe ever since World War II, which is also blatantly wrong. But now that was going to end the world. That was the most important thing. And then fucking Hamas attacks Israel. And then now that is so important that nobody cares about Ukraine anymore. It's like Ukraine's always almost been memory hold now. It's just like, ah, it's just, and next year, of course, uh, it's going to be the election. So that's going to be the next thing, the U.S. election. And, you know, that's already ramping up with all these Supreme Courts from the states saying that Trump can't run as president, shit like that. Um, yeah, so we'll, uh, th there'll be a thing for 2024. Anyway, so we had the Twitter files with the war in Ukraine. We had censorship and privacy issues in the EU. Um, I did two more episodes on uh, SARS-CoV-2 on the pandemic. It was basically one that kind of ended this whole um, coverage for me where I basically... Uh, Anthony Fauci, after quitting all his jobs and retiring, uh, co-authored a paper that said pretty much everything I said since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, that they expected vaccines to do things that vaccines have never done and that we knew before these vaccines wouldn't do. Um, 
and you know that there was no chance that we could have uh, contained this virus somehow. Like basically, he in his paper agreed with a lot of the scientists at the beginning of the pandemic who were actually epidemiologists, not the virologists like 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 Drosten and stuff and and Fauci, I guess. Um, who were saying, yeah, we can do all of this and lockdowns and, and, and then the vaccine or whatever. And what that will do is it basically will protect people. And there were, there were a lot of other people, um, including the, a lot of epidemiologists, so the people actually whose field this kind of thing is, were said, no, it's a respiratory virus. We, have, we don't really, we, haven't, we have not enough experience with this virus, but we have enough experiences with similar viruses that we know that this will just go through the whole population. Like that's, there's no way around that. Um, and, you know, this whole, you know, stopping the wave and, and all this bullshit. Like, so basically Fauci said, we knew, um, he, he doesn't say we knew, but he basically says, it. <laughs> like he, he basically puts out all these ideas like what 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 this is what we knew this is what we knew since the 60s and so basically we did everything wrong uh, i'm glad there's new scientists now and i'm out and then i reported on that and one one of the places i posted this a link to this episode was on on linkedin and then and the next episode was about linkedin uh saying that i was spreading medical misinformation which was weird because that was a peer-reviewed paper that that wasn't this being disputed by anybody that was co-authored by the guy who did the COVID response for two US presidents throughout most all of the pandemic basically um, yeah so I did an episode on how dumb that was um, and another topic and I've, I've touched on this before uh, you know talking about the other topics is basically something that I've I've identified um, I'm calling it maybe melodramatically the collapse of modern Western society. I don't know if it's actually the collapse, but something is going on, I feel. Um, there are f things I'm seeing um, that I can't really explain where they come from. Um, and there's like three episodes I grouped into that. The first was I went to Dubai in the beginning of this year and I did an episode 142 um, that I called I saw the F future in Dubai where basically... Um, I've seen, a, I saw a lot of things there um, with the political regime and how society works. And I feel our society is moving in that same direction, both in the US, both over here in Europe. Um, and another episode I grouped into this was episode 52, the Discord leaks. I usually have a grouping for these, like, you know, issues with journalism. And it would have gone under this, but that was the only dedicated one like that this year, I think. So basically I put this into here because I think that's one of the problems and that's one of the causes for this whole whatever's going on is that um, for whatever reason, the media landscape gutted itself um, and we don't have the press doing its job anymore, uh, which exacerbates many of these problems and causes others. So that's the aspect of it. And then the other one, you know, I did another episode, several episodes last year on, on Drachenlord, uh, the German YouTuber. I did one on this uh, this year. 
159 societies going to hell in handbasket where I basically said, okay, this one, not going to report on Drachenlord anymore, but through this research on him and that he's now on TikTok, I found this whole thing on TikTok where um, I feel like that's part of it, like our digital media usage. It's how people read the news, but also what they do, like in every time just scrolling through TikTok and you look on TikTok and there's like, um, so I have I, I watch a streamer, a Canadian streamer called Deadly Slob, uh, who plays video games. But sometimes he talks just talks about life, and he said something very smart the other day. It's like I've been on all these kind of internet probably. I'm on YouTube, and he's on TikTok. I'm on Instagram, whatever, Facebook, and Twitter. He's talked about all these things in the past. But he was like, I swear to God, TikTok's the place where the dumbest people are. And I feel like he was talking about the comments to videos, but I also feel like a lot of the air quotes content produced. There's a lot, like I can't stand TikTok, but my wife once in a while sends me TikToks and I watch them, TikTok videos. And then, you know, I, I, I scroll through the app a bit sometimes and just like the stuff that's on there is so dumb. I mean, a lot of it is funny, but a lot of it's really dumb. It's like really dumb people doing really dumb shit. And I feel like it kind of rewards that. I don't know why. And in my darkest moments, when I lie awake at night and I can't sleep, I get like these ideas that I guess these are really conspiracy theories um, that go through my mind. But one of them that I think about sometimes is that just TikTok is just a weapon that the Chinese made to destroy Western culture or to fucking... I mean, if I think... I I I mean I've, I I said that about you know the pandemic, half jokingly as like kind of a conspiracy theory as well, um, but like if if I had to answer the question what like in the last three to four years, what destroyed more productivity in the Western world, um, SARS-CoV-2 or TikTok? I'd be hard pressed to find an answer. <laughs> I think it's pretty even. Um, you know, all the people being sick, being being not able to work. It's probably about the same as people not working because they're just scrolling through dumb shit on TikTok. Um, so I don't know. Something is going on. This will be a topic that I will be trying to follow. It's kind of hard because I don't have a label for it yet. I mean, the collapse of Western society is too hyperbolic. Um, and to some extent, it's just like society changing and me being old. Um but yeah, I, I definitely want to do an episode. Of, I've read a lot about, you know, I read a lot on, on Reddit about society and stuff because I can't do, you know, you don't read about this in journalism, right? If you go, if you read newspapers or watch TV, they're just telling you, oh, there's no, you know, there's no inflation. The the the, the you know the our our economy is doing fine. And then I'm, I go to the supermarket. And I'm like, I raised all my prices for the people I work for by ten, by at least 10% over the year, right? And I'm going like, so I make 10% more money than last year. And like, I, I can afford less. Like I can, I don't, I, I basically, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I don't know how to survive because everything's so expensive. And, you know, and for example, my wife does make more money than she did three years ago. Like she's got the same salary still. I'm like, this is, and we're doing well, right? We are, we are like middle class. We're not upper middle class. We're not even middle middle class. We're probably lower middle class, but we're middle class. No, we're doing fine. And I'm like, all the other people actually have low income jobs. I'm like, how do they live? Like, and and 
you hear that prompt. Like if you go to Reddit and you read it, but just like in the normal, just like people talking, people commenting. I, I find Reddit really good for that. It seems to be the place where, where people most openly talk about these things. Um, that's the same for the US. Like I find a lot of threats about things going on in the US. And it crops up in all kinds of places. I watch like Magic the Gathering YouTubers and they're like analyzing what happens to ha what's happening to Hasbro and why, why they why they laying off people at Wizards of the Coast. And it basically comes down to like people buying less magic and less D&D &D and, and the reasons for that. And you're like, they were, and everybody's like, there's a problem with the economy. Like there's something's going on. And then you just watch the media and they're like, there's no problem. So I kind of, there is, you know, that's that's how I get these ideas and, and there's something going on, but I don't really, it's like a conglomerate of, of, of many things. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what to call it. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll be... I'll I'll be I'll be covering it and and this it plays into the um it plays into into a lot of the stuff we're talking about on the show because I think all of this does apply to civil liber civil liberties because what you see with the censorship on the internet um in the US and in Europe is basically these discussions are disappearing from um from the spaces people use to interact socially like Twitter or whatever, um, because, you know, they talk about these things and, and, and somebody will talk about, you know, for example, will have the theory that one of the problems is like the, just the mass immigration we, ta we had in Europe over the last few, few decades and, or like even maybe the last 10 years. Um, and I'm personally not a, somebody who thinks that is the problem or part of the problem. I, I think probably the managerial class in in companies and and the waste there and and just education probably is the problem um you know and and dumb decisions by politicians especially connected to climate change but like these are things like climate change that that's a that's something i wouldn't be able really to that you can't say that on twitter right you get get visible I'm, i mean i'm visibility filtered anyway but you get visibility filtered that you know they, the, there are forces in society that tr that are trying to remove this kind of discussion from the internet right as soon as you're talking as, as soon as you're even suggesting that that maybe a cause for something that some of the problems we're having is immigration. You get like, there's people wanting to delete your comments and canceling you. And I don't think, I don't agree with the sentiment. I don't think immigration is the problem, but I feel if somebody thinks that and has an argument and they can't talk about this, we have a much bigger problem than if there was actually like hate speech on the internet, which just basically hurts some people's feelings but doesn't do much more but this is kind of gutting our democratic process and i've talked about that on the show before um and i will i will i will continue to do that um and i, th I think that that all plays together um anyway so that that were the big topics this year um, um there was some single topic episodes uh 141 about last pass um, how they basically fucked up um, and why you probably don't want to use LastPass anymore. That was kind of like IT security episode. Um, I did an episode called Dismantling the Russiagate Delusion 144, which was going back to Russiagate, which I talked about a lot that year before. And basically the um, very comprehensive article in the Columbia Journalism Review that kind of basically 
dismantled this whole idea as as bullshit. Um, which I thought it's very important to do that so that it doesn't get memory hold. Um, I did an episode 154 called The Democratic Delusion, which I guess could have also put under the collapse of modern Western society. Um, one of the my theories for this is that people, like why people don't understand, like why, why journalists are bad at their job and also scientists more and more is that this idea that everything's democratic and that they don't understand what democracy actually is and that democracy only applies to, um, you know, electing your government. Um, it doesn't apply to, um, you know, how, how the, the, democ- uh, the, 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 the scientific consensus that is not a democratic process and neither is journalism really. Um, so yeah, so I think this was still a very interesting episode. Um, one one thing I want to um, also put in there. This will piss a few people off, but I I think one of the problems that is affecting all of this is also woke culture, and maybe that's the wrong term, but like this. I mean, we used to call it participatory culture before that. Like this whole idea that um, you know, I'm all for. Um, for universally welcoming everybody and for um, not discriminating against people and, uh, you know, being accepting of other people's lifestyle and life choices. Um, but I feel like we've got, gone over the over the cliff here as a society um, where now basically as, as part of that we're negating or certain forces people who have reach uh, in, in society, including journalists, are trying to like negate facts. You know, so um, I am for, completely for um, fighting um, prejudice and discrimination against, you know, transgender people, gay people, people who have, you know, different lifestyles, you know, who want to marry differently or not marry whatever i don't give a damn i'm all for that but like we've now reached a point where the people who are fighting for this are going like well you know biological gender doesn't exist and they're they're trying you know it's one of the problems i have with like pronouns and stuff like that they're they're negating scientific knowledge about language you know um and they're just saying well you know because they don't understand that there's a difference, but for example, between grammatical gender and people's sex or gender. Um, but you know, I would call it biological sex. Uh, that you know, that is not the same thing. That just because something, I mean, it's, it's harder to understand for English people, but German people don't understand it, and they should because Germany has pronouns, right? We have every noun in Germany has a pronoun, and in German has a pronoun. So it's like der Stuhl, so the chair is 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 a male, and then we have female pronouns for some things that are, you know the word is female, and then we have neutral the horse das Pferd is neutral. Doesn't matter if it has a penis or not. Doesn't matter what. It's like a it's a grammatical thing. It doesn't have anything to do with the actual like a chair doesn't have a gender or sex, right? But it has a gender pronoun because that's how language works. Um, but then this 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 brain cancer I think has has 
gotten into people's mind where they had this idea that if we don't use these kind of pronouns, we, we're not encouraging, you know, if, if you have a job that is traditionally has uh, been very male dominated, if we don't put the female pronouns in there, the, the females don't want to do that job, right? Which I always said from that very course in university gender studies, I said that is bullshit. There are reasons why women don't want to do that job um, and we have to figure them out and, you know, it's probably good for society if we get rid of them, but you don't get rid of them but just changing language. You know, I've, I've been I've, from very early on, basically from stuff I read in university, I've never believed that that works. The Nazis tried it, the Soviets tried it, the French government tried it. Um, I mean, the Canadians are doing it now. It never works. It just, I mean, I guess everybody's doing it now, but it just doesn't work. Um, you know, you don't get somebody to apply for a job just because you change the pronouns in the job application. Not if there is, you know, um, like for example, a very, very easy example. If you talk to anybody who's like a, um, a craftsman, a handyman in Germany, there's a very male dominated, um, almost, well, not almost, there's an abusive culture, um, associated with with learning one of these jobs right if you if you start in a kitchen you're like you start out and you want to be you want to be head chef someday you become like whatever you, you're first like the guy who just runs around and has to clean the dishes that's how you start and people make fun like they make fun of these people like um my um uh who's that my my brother's sister runs runs a kitchen in a in a hotel and he always tells the stories like they used to give the these new guys, uh, the Atsubis, as we call them in Germany, um, the trainees, basically like the stupid tasks because they didn't know any better. It's like walk walk the lobster. Right? They had lobsters. And they're like, you have to walk the lobster, put a lobster on the beat, on the leash. The lobster needs like exercise and like they would do it. Like So they, they haze them basically. Um, and it's a very shitty culture, I think. Um, it's like, it doesn't only, not only does it prevent women from it, it prevents a lot of, male people from to do some of them go to university you know because they don't want to end up, like they, they prefer working with their hands they prefer being i i know i personally know people like this who you know um i've, I've actually met some where did i met her i think at a boulder gym but i don't know but like i've, I've talked to her quite a bit and she was like uh, i would would have loved to be uh uh, what's what's Schreiner? What's Schreiner in English? Like a guy who who makes tables, uh, works with wood. People are shouting at there. Carpenter. She wants to be a carpenter, but she's like, I went to university because, you know, talking to people who became carpenters. Like this whole culture when you when you when you start learning these jobs, just shit. It's like being in the military, just being a grunt in the military, just being yelled at. Like I wouldn't want to do that either. So I would like I completely understand. But she's like, I, and now I do like I don't accounting or whatever. And I'm really sad because I would that's a really boring job and I would um I'm really depressed and I would, would love to just build tables. I love wood. She's like I I love oak tables. I would just let build oak tables. It's really bad. Anyway, um yeah, so that's something probably I wanna do an episode on as well. Um so um yeah, another episode one fifty seven when well meaning people make the laws. I could have also probably should have put that under the the EU banner because it's about the um, the um, you know the anti so-called anti pedophile like chat control whatever um, 
No, actually, this. Oh, I'm I'm confused. I did this in preparation for that episode, right? So this is about some um, actual um, anti. Uh, well, some they changed the the way the laws are. Um, people are prosecuted for um, for sexual harassment of children. I did an episode on on this school teacher who was literally just trying to help. She was like, uh, so boys in a classroom were spreading um nude pictures that a girl had had like kind of sent i think her boyfriend and um and she she was just trying to tell the parents who told the police so then discovered the pictures on her phone and now she's like going to jail <laughs> you know before for for sexual harassment of children which she hasn't done just because she has the it's it's really dumb anyway and that's one of the other problems i think especially in germany right now we have a lot of we have many politicians and and and, and also journalists who, who who mean well and i i do believe that i do i do think they mean well those, those are people that that want to do good in society but the problem is that they don't know what they're talking about they're just not educated in they don't, don't listen to the actual they talk about experts and science all the time but they don't know how to read scientific papers and they don't listen to actual experts so they don't know what they're doing because when this law for example was passed a lot of actual legal experts including judges told the politicians what would happen and why this was a bad idea and now they actually want to get the law off the books and they're like yes they were right well you did you well you're idiots you know it's very dangerous if you mean well, but you don't know what the fuck you're doing because you're easily manipulated by other people, for one thing, who know what's going on. Um, and then also in episode 162 on the Westminster Declaration, which is also, I guess, about you know censorship, but it was you know based in the US. It's basically um, related to the Twitter files, uh, but more general. And I read out this declaration and said, you know, I, I would sign it if i could even though i don't believe in dec in these declarations generally but i think it's a very 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 comprehensive and well-written text that you can just you know if you, if you send those show notes to somebody if you want if you had like this argument with somebody about why censorship is a bad thing um you can just send them a link to this or the West westminster declaration to just read this argument which i think is very well made by some actual journalists who do actual journalism who know how you know who to still know how to think <laughs> and to think critically um yeah and then as usually there was some special episode this year um, i did the first episode this year how i wanted to change the direction of the podcast and that has kind of worked topic wise the problem is i haven't been able as i said to do enough episodes but that's another problem i did the three-year anniversary episode um 143 uh, in the the four-year anniversary coming up next year uh, in February, um, where I talked a little, like in this episode, um, I talked a little bit about my life before this podcast and how I came and why to to do this and why I think it's important um, and why I talk about the things I, I talk about and uh, in the way I do talk about them because I think it's very important to um, provide context if you're doing something like this. And if you've been listening to me for like 164 episodes, then that's probably something you should listen to as well. Uh, well, if you listen to 164 episodes, you have listened to that one, so you know. 
Um, and then the 156, episode 156, The Winding Gyra, was basically the same problems I was talking about now. Um, about why I can't, couldn't, wasn't able to put out shows this year. And it's the problems getting worse. Anyway, so these were the episodes I did this year. I'm not happy with. I have I have such a long list of things I want to do, but you know, that's uh, that's something I want to discuss now. Let's look at the next year. It's actually one of my top priorities, and I'm, this is really is one of my top priorities for next year is to figure this out, uh, to get the podcast back on track and get back to one episode a week. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't have a plan yet, but I have two weeks now. Um, you know that I've also taken off this podcast and I've scheduled a hefty amount of time in those next two weeks to work this out and to develop a plan um, because. The situation as it is now is just not acceptable. I want to get back to regular releases. I think um, I owe that to you. I owe that to the supporters of the show. And the problem is that I just can't say I do this and then I do it because that's what I tried this year and it hasn't worked. Um, so, so the obvious problem is in my life. I think it's the way I've organized my free time and my work time in the last two years because it started the year before and... It's gotten worse and worse. So I need to change something. I need to come up with something. Uh, maybe it just has to be that I pick a day and maybe it'd be Wednesday, I don't know, where I produce the show and I just say I'll take off, I'll take six hours out of my week every week and I don't do anything but, you know, produce and record this podcast. Um and then I'll have to find a day where that works. You know, I have to coordinate that with my wife and stuff like that. And with the other things I have to do. But I will do that. I don't know what the plan's going to be, but I will figure it out. Whatever I need to reorganize, you know, in my life. And I, that, that will be a hefty thing. But I also am not happy with some other things that how basically my work went this year. So, um, yeah, that's another reason I'm taking like two weeks I mean, I still have some work to do, but I also I'm taking that time to figure this out. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be on the internet. I'm gonna be offline. Um, I'm gonna sit at my desk and figure this shit out. So um, yeah, so that's basically the plan. Well, I don't know what the plan is, but that's the idea. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very. Um, focused and very um what's the word determined i guess uh, to make this happen um i've i've thought about this a lot over the last few days and weeks and i think basically I need to sort this out or i might as well stop this podcast i don't like the way it's been going and i don't like the the list i'm pushing ahead of me i think what it will come down to is something like this where you know, have a date where I record the show. And then obviously the times when I go on holiday, I'll just skip. I can't, I also can't, I don't think I, it's realistic to make up these episodes, but I also want to do that for actual like holiday. Um, So yeah, there'll be something I will have to work out and I'll let you know. Um, Probably the first episode of, of 2024 will probably be not that Twitter fans episode, but, um, or, it will be that, and I will. There will be a section at the top of the show 
where I will tell you what plan I've come to, um, you know, what the plan is, how, how we're going to make this happen. Yeah, and uh, that's basically it. I don't, I didn't do any um, feedback. I, I'm, I'm reading your feedback. Um, it's been a lot on the forum. I've got a few emails. Uh, I'm collecting that. I'll, I'll get back to that next year. Just that's one of the things I just also couldn't do uh, in preparation for this show. Basically, I just doing this in the middle of six other things, um, and it's all fucked. But uh, I'm reading your stuff. I, I, I very much appreciate all your feedback. So. Um, and I'll get back to that. Maybe we'll even do a feedback feedback only episode. We'll see. Um, yeah. And with that, I'll also have to thank some people. First and foremost, everybody who's provided feedback, um, go to Private Citizen Press if you want to say anything about this year and how it went or whatever let me know appreciate that and then of course everybody who's been supporting the show even though i haven't put out as much episode as i promised i've many supporters who are sorry that was just coffee coffee burp talk good the only way the only thing that helps is washing it down with more coffee um yeah so so everybody who's been supporting the show i appreciate very much it you know, without that support, the show would have died a long time ago. The only reason I have this determination, I can actually afford to go like, okay, I need to take a few hours out of my week um, or whatever the plan's going to be is because people are supporting one charity and that means a lot to me. So uh, thank you very much. Um, thanks to my showrunner, Sergal Taran. I appreciate your continued support. Um, thank you very much. Executive producers, Butterbeans, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Rizal and Sandman 616. I appreciate all your support of the show. Um, I appreciate my supervising producers, Avis, Bennett, Piata, Dave, IKN, Jonathan M. He Jonathan M. Hitai, I'm sorry, Grunkle, uh, Michael Mullen Jensen, and Tobias Weber. Thanks to all of you. Um, thanks for all the support. Producers, Andrew Davidson, Astral C, Barry Williams, Cam, Captain Akkad, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, Florian Pigors, Joe Poser, Mr. Amish, RJ Tracy, Robert Forster, thank you. And thanks to my associate producers, D, Jonathan, Johan Soonen, Kai CS, Ricky M, Steve Hose, and Vlad. Thank all of you. Uh, once again, um, couldn't do this without you, and uh, you're the reason this show will survive. We will survive. Um, I don't know how yet, but I'm going to make it happen. Um, and thanks to Bytemark uh, as well, bytemark.co.uk, for, uh, as always, providing the servers. Uh, and the bandwidth for this show couldn't do it without them either um, and then of course the theme song of this show is called Acoustic Roots by Raul Cabazali and I'm gonna leave you now for the year I'm gonna be back in 2024 with a plan I'm gonna execute the plan and everything will get better I promise I will somehow New Year, I mean it's an arbitrary cut of date but it's, everything's shutting down anyway um, over the know over the holidays whatever you might as well reset um get a fresh perspective on things and i think we can do this so i'm gonna now play you out with something i guess this is a bit of a christmas song it's got some bells in the background so i thought it might fit the mood this is hara noda with shining star and uh, i'll see you next year i hope you have a good holiday um i hope you're doing well um thanks for all the support thanks for listening um 
you know, thanks for sticking with me despite everything over the year. And I, I just hope you can, whatever you're doing over the holidays, um, I hope you can relax a bit, rewind, um, have a good time. And uh, we'll, we'll all see each other again in 2024, I hope, uh, with new energy and uh, uh, an optimistic start into a new year. See you soon. Thank you.